You're listening to a podcast from 702. Wits University has announced the appointment of top nuclear physicist Professor Zeblon Vilagazi as its vice chancellor. Well, since Adam Habib announced his appointment um, uh, or his departure when he was appointed uh, to join the United Kingdom based uh, School of Oriental and African Studies uh, in January of 2021, there was much speculation about who will take over from him. So, after many months of speculation, it was finally announced that uh, Professor Zeblon Vilagazi would lead the university from January 2021. Well, who is Zeblon Filagazi? He is the current vice principal and deputy vice chancellor for research and postgraduate studies at WITS. He joined the university in 2014 as the deputy vice chancellor for research and postgraduate affairs. And he also chairs South Africa's National Quantum Computing Working Committee, which seeks to develop a framework for quantum computing um, and quantum technology driven research and innovation in South Africa. He's also been very instrumental in ensuring that WITS and other African universities have access to quantum computing networks and he was instrumental in establishing South Africa's first experimental high energy physics research group at CERN which focused on the development of high level triggers for the CERN Alice experiment you know you remember that large hadron collider experiment that had captivated the world he um, in coming into this office he then becomes the 15th Vice-Chancellor at Fitz University. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. I think congratulations are in order. Um, what emotions have you been dealing with since the announcement was made? Okay, thank you, Azania. Uh, uh, good afternoon to the listeners. Um, to answer your question on the emotions that, you know, uh, first, obviously, the process is quite protracted, I might say. You know, it involves public uh, presentations uh, and in-camera interview with the appointments committee, your presentation to the Senate and other stakeholders within the university, mm. and finally, the council final decision. So it's a, quite a long-drawn process, uh, which obviously was quite exhausting. Having said that, so the first emotion that I felt was that of quite frankly, um, a bit of tiredness mm. or, you know, when you're on an adrenaline high, then, you know, when the when a process like this comes to its ultimate uh, conclusion, you obviously have a sense of relief. But realization that, you know, this comes with new responsibilities of taking over an institution in the middle of uh, the challenges wrought in by COVID-19. You mm. know, we don't know what world will inherit or university will, will, will inherit uh, in the next two, three years in the in the wake of COVID. So I think there's a bit of both uh, trepidation and excitement, of course. <laughs> a great cocktail, an exciting cocktail. Where were you when you heard the news? Oh, obviously, I might say I'm, I'm, I'm at home. Yeah, I'm working from home. Oh, so I yes. At home. I was able to share that with my children and wife and Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, as you said, it was a very competitive pro- uh, process, and I'm sure that uh, congratulatory messages have poured in. Uh, the other day, in one of my WhatsApp groups, someone shared um, the a little video of a blogger who does these entertaining uh, videos, mostly in Isizulu, and he was just going on about how you have elevated the Vilagazi name uh, and it's standing amongst other names like Omkize or Shezi. Um, 
that just by being the vice chancellor, you know, you've changed the game for people who carry the surname. Um, it was quite entertaining. I hope someone in your network sends it to you so you can enjoy how people are receiving this news. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, obviously, them, them cases are much bigger. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm sure that Jonathan, Jonathan Fepen won't take kindly to that. <laughs> He's a Kabazela. Yes. But, uh, uh, but, but, uh, obviously, you know, it's more than just one, you know, name. It's about, you know, broadly for the site. And I think I found the video quite uh, entertaining. And I think it was very nice to, yes. to, 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 to see in how this has gone beyond just one's own little you know, appointment of one individual mm. in terms of how it has, uh, reverberated across the entire country in terms of, you know, what it means. It's not just about wanting an individual. I can say it's almost like you drop a small pebble on a pond and instead of creating ripples, it almost, you created waves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that is really a humbling uh, experience. What does it mean? What does this moment and this appointment mean? Well, as I know, it, it means that, you know, uh, maybe the reason is because, you know, growing up in Katlohong in the 1970s, I was born in, on the 3rd of April, 69, uh, growing up in Katlohong, having done all my schooling in Katlohong and having had the opportunity to, and luck to, uh, do research frontier-level research in some of the top laboratories in the world and come back to leading what is arguably, you know, uh, Africa's most uh, important university, if I can say so, Mm. uh, is a message not only of hope but of what is possible. And I think that's how, if I can interpret it, has been received largely by the community. Yes, absolutely. But what happened? What happened to and in a child's life, a child from Katlehong's life, uh, who goes on to become a leading nuclear physicist on this, on this continent? What, what had you daydreaming and wanting to pursue this particular direction for your life? Um, I mean, it all starts with family. You know, I'm from a uh, family of large family, my elders, my elder siblings are teachers. And so there's been love for education at home. Yes. And with very strict parents in a neighborhood that is, you know, quite rough, you know, Katlong is quite a tough area. Mm. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, we had teachers that were really uh, caring for their, uh, then we call them pupils those days, mm. quite firm, quite stern, knew how to discipline the traditional way that all of us grew up with, which is no longer considered acceptable, but you know they knew, they knew how not to spare the rod. Mm. So, uh, and of course, I uh, I was inspired uh, just to give you an example by the launch of the space shuttle in 1981, around March, April or so. Uh, as you know, that my generation grew up in the aftermath of the Apollo missions. Mm-hmm of the 1960s and 1870s. So that really inspired me. And I think I remember watching that program at the grocery store, uh, not far from where I live, playing football, you know, then I was just, I pulled away from the crowd and I went straight and I watched that. And it just kind of me, it was my moment, I think, to stretch my imagination to see this thing, you know, take off and this little 
like the team can go into outer space. And then I went to ask my teacher on Monday, it was on a Saturday, and I asked him, what do these people do? He said, oh, these are astronauts. That's Mr. Lamini. And uh, then, of course, I was curious, and I used to get clippings of the Star newspaper and file them and just and look at the other clippings on astrophysics and astronomy. So I just got fascinated by that. That was the single point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with school trips, we went to the Vesplanetarium uh, around that period. And, you know, someone told me that to become a, an astronomer, astronaut, you must be uh, to physics or engineering. I mean, of course, in South Africa those days, going to vets was not possible. Yes. Uh, we had to go through some hoops. I always tell my students that, you know, uh, with a name like Vilagazi, I was meant to have gone to Ongoye, but mm. I'm from Katlohong, so that was my nearest university. But that's how things were, as you, as you all know. Um, I think it's that single inspiration that I received and that really was a fuel to my um, engine that landed me here. Yes. And once your career got going, what were the defining or key turning points in, in your career? Uh, you have a series of turning points. You know, I received uh, many opportunities and scholarships uh, to study both here and abroad. Uh, they opened up my horizons just beyond just my discipline of, you know, physics and mathematics. I think uh, my scope extended beyond that. And, you know, uh, traveling abroad at a young age gives you the opportunity to see how the world is like. Uh, challenging and quite difficult in some other instances but it forces you to leapfrog into how the world, the real world is like and how it is evolving and moving. Uh, that came in, in, in various forms. Uh, when I was a graduate student here at VET, I got an opportunity to do my PhD uh, on the work on a PhD project uh, at CERN. I was one of the first students, as you saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously I was exposed to people of different languages and some of the brightest people effectively in the world, you know, there's some of the smartest scientists from across the world yes. working on these mega projects. So obviously it's challenging. You, it's competitive. I mean, these are people who don't care who you are, where you come from. Either you cut it or they just, you know, don't talk to you anymore. So hmm. uh, you learn to be, to make your voice heard. And, uh, you know, don't forget that many of us come from a continent that is not taken seriously. Mm. So you've got to be a bit, shall I say, tough, uh, intelligence is not enough. You just could have the strength of character and self-confidence and self-belief that, you know, I can be counted among this, these scientific people who just think that, you know, you come from this car country in the corner of a continent that is basically, you know, known for live aid, band aid, and mm. you know, um, not known for scientific innovation and invention was, was my growth point. I think it was an opportunity, but also proved to be quite a, challenge yes yes and uh, yeah that's 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 what actually drove me that i mean i want africa not just to be seen as a continent that is not seen as a technological player Mm. or a scientific player Mm. and that has defined my career since then so let's talk about uh, this new office that you'll be occupying. You and uh, Professor Adam Habib shared the screen where you addressed the Wits University community together. You've worked together for seven years. Uh, what sort of relationship have you had? Right. We've had a, a very good relationship. Obviously, as you can tell even in the video, Professor Habib is much more, Adam is much more 
a bit more flamboyant than I am. <laughs> uh, and uh, also is the person who is obviously by, by the very nature of his intellectual background in the in politics and by extension in um, public intellectual space, right? Mm. Uh, I come from the what I would call the hard science side where we spend most of our time not talking to the outside world, but in what's focused in laboratories and writing computer programs. So basically, you know, that contrast in, 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 in personalities and styles does play itself out. And it does also lend itself to what I would call, in a way, healthy tensions mm. in terms of how we see the university. So he was able to accommodate my different views, uh, you know, uh, my different views that actually contra- contrasted his in a very respectful way. So we've always had that very healthy uh, uh, relationship based on mutual respect and yet coming from different, widely different perspectives. And I think that actually was enriching for the senior executive team. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, but what is your ambition? What are your ambitions for your tenure? If there is a top three, perhaps, on that list of things you want to have to, to do in your tenure, what are those? Top three that I want to achieve is to convert all the research where appropriate into innovation. We are now moving towards the innovation age to meet the challenges of the 21st century. I can say there are three universities, two universities in the world that have successfully done that on a large scale. That is Stanford University on the West Coast in the Silicon Valley that has spawned a large number of text computers that we use to this day. Mm. There's another one called MIT on the eastern side. In Africa and in South Africa in particular, I do believe that VETS has that potential based on its alumni strength, based on the fact that it is located in what is Africa's most dynamic and vibrant city with a huge youth population drawn from across the country and the continent. Mm. We just need to work with, in partnership with the city of Johannesburg and the province to create an enabling environment of safety that will allow our young people to focus on their creative uh, abilities. And I think that to me is important. For example, I want to see some of our young graduates and students producing tech companies that are globally competitive. The second one is, I think, a big vision is not now, maybe in the next 10, 15 years, I would like to see within at least a certain period of our times, our researchers located on the African continent, producing Nobel Prize winning work Mm. in all fields of knowledge. That will change the global perception of how Africa is viewed. And finally, and most importantly, I do think that as a university, we must create that beacon of hope for tolerance, for inclusion Mm. uh, in a world that is fractured. That's the soft side of the business. Those are very three powerful aspects that we'll look forward to, to seeing and realizing. But you also come into this, you know, when you think, when you mentioned the first two coming off a base that I think is quite convincing because your legacy in the research department at VITS, uh, as you mentioned earlier on, you doubled the output, the research output under your, your leadership. That's what VITS was able to do, what you described as a near gravity defying, uh, achievement. So we know that for 
research, a lot of funding has to be mobilized, um, whether it is from the endowment or partnerships that, that come on board. Um, what is the stakeholder that will enable this vision to be realized? Um, and what can, what needs to change in this country for research to be better supported for that vision to be realized? Being aware of the fact that we are in a very tough economic, social, and, you know, climate, when political climate uh, due to the uh, uh, challenges posed by COVID, one obviously is not walking to this blindly. Mm-hmm. However, having said that, uh, what is clear is that our main stakeholder is the government uh, and the government has other competing needs. And the universities, but these strong partnerships has to consolidate on its partnerships with the private sector, with our alumni, that has a huge, I mean, you are one of the exemplars, exemplars of the great alums we have, by the way. So we do, you know, uh, have a very deep reservoir of alum who can actually contribute one way or another, in kind or uh, through donations or through advice to help and enable us to achieve this uh, vision. This cannot be achieved by one person alone. Key to this is to actually ensure that we build a very solid endowment that will allow us to strategically deploy resources in a way that will enable us to reach this vision. Because the um, fuel that will drive this vision mm. will be resources. And I think I need to tap into all the available, to all the resources I can tap into from the state, the private sector, and uh, friends of the university and people who believe that the continent can be at the cutting edge of innovation and realize those three things. So mm. it's not just one stakeholder, but it's a combination of other stakeholders and global partnerships. You know, we were able to build a very good partnership with IBM to launch the IBM quantum computing uh, facility, which I spoke to you about a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And we were able to build partnerships with MIT uh, to learn some of the best practices that can be adapted to the South, to, to the African context and many others. It really sounds very exciting. Absolutely exciting. Uh, the third point that you mentioned, as you said, you want to create a more inclusive environment. We know that there's also a lot of politics in higher education, especially in managing under the sort of history that we have in South Africa, divided history where there is still so much to be corrected. There's still a lot of injustice uh, that goes on. And of course, we need to uh, somehow restore people's dignity through education. And even in this election, or, or rather in, in, in um, this process of uh, electing a vice uh, chancellor for the university, there were racial tensions that flared up. We had um, the, the Vitz SRC saying that they took a stance to say that, um, that they would not support an anti-black appointment. How are we going to navigate through the politics that comes with leading a higher education institution? Yeah, obviously these politics are not only local politics, as you know. I mean, not politics, but these issues of division. I wouldn't call it politics because it's actually about division, exclusion. I mean, they did manifest themselves globally in what has been playing out on our screens uh, from Minnesota and the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a big global problem of exclusion, historical exclusion of, um, you know, in particular, you know, African and other ethnic minorities the world over. Um Within, within Africa, within South Africa, we obviously carry our own 
signature because of our legacy of, of apartheid, of which I was, you know, uh, a bold, a bold, uh, personal experience and witness to. Mm. You know, um, and then of course the conversations. I don't think they were dominant again, Azania. They were just part of the conversations that were, uh, interpreted by, you know, others in respect to the fact that this appointment almost got racialized, which is unfortunate because I think I ran a race with some of the individuals that I know personally as colleagues. So it was not a, ri- a, ri- a, 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 a race against, but it was a race, race for the position of how the other members of the, uh, you know, of all the uh, other candidates mm-hmm. saw themselves bring different vision. So that is uh, unfortunate. But that being said, of course, we live in South Africa. We carry our own uh, a particular history. And it is clear that there are areas of transformation that I think we need to address, which is why actually I did put as one as the third pillar of my vision mm. was to actually work around the vision. These statements come out because people do feel excluded. The verse I went to in the 19, early 1990s was a verse that was dominated largely uh, white university and African students and black people generally were it's a very small minority. But in terms of the student demographics, we've come a long way. That being said, though, the cultural framework, I'd call the operating system, sometimes for many other students who come from rural areas, townships, and informal settlements, feel that they're not included. Mm. Some of the workers feel that they're they alienated, despite the fact that they're a majority in the university. Mm. So it's actually that little, and that's harder. I mean, it's easy to, to talk about science, but talking about this for the want of better words, soft issues requires a continuous conversation of how we can actually make everyone uh, from of all backgrounds, of all uh, languages and religious groups, because that's a very diverse university, feel that, yes, they are different, but they are welcome in the space. So I think that is part of an ongoing process. I cannot give you a magic bullet now and say, I've got a solution, which is the panacea mm. to all these problems. It, it requires self-reflection, a lot of hard work and a lot of listening. I cannot, in the limited time that I have, Azania, give you yes. the answers. Yes. Uh, I'd be disingenuous. Uh, and I guess that's what the next six months are also about. What are you planning for the next six months ahead of officially stepping into that office? I plan on first sharpening my vision, just being clear about you know, where we go. Uh, obviously, uh, there are certain issues that are associated with a very careful management of a transitional period. Uh, working closely with uh, Professor Habib to uh, manage that transition, and then as almost understanding how some of the, you know, committees that I was never part of work, and uh, he'll be helping me in uh, apprising me mm-hmm. with some of how the the university functions beyond research, which is what I was looking at. And that is one. And the second one is I'll be, okay, with COVID, I won't be doing that. It would have been nice, more more opportune for me if one was available to walk the campus, mm. you know, boots on the ground, walk, to walk, talk to the workers, talk to professional and administrat- administrative staff, talk to the students and student leaders of various clubs and societies on campus. Uh, be they religious, be they uh, community, be they political and social. Talk to uh, academic staff, faculty at the university in the individual capacity that would help. So probably that has been delayed by COVID because doing that 
over platforms doesn't give you that sense of energy and that you can generate from talking to people mm-hmm. on a face-to-face basis. I think that is the downside of COVID that it won't give me the opportunity that would have been ideal in the next six months to walk the campus and walk to areas that I have not been to. Yes. Wow. Uh, and you'll be... Um with the university, you'll be, of course, at uh, the, the vice chancellor as it marks a, a century, which is an incredible milestone and, of course, beyond. So it's going to be quite an incredible road ahead, an adventure of a lifetime, as, as I like to describe these sorts of opportunities in life. Uh, but, and as an academic, as a researcher, you are widely published. Um, so far, I think the university said 325 papers, also highly cited. And uh, having observed academics, and how immersed you get in your work. Is there even time for anything else in life? Are there other things that you do with your time, um, things that you enjoy apart from academics? Yes, I. Uh, you're right. I mean, especially being an um, academic manager, mm-hmm. it's not only about your research, but it's also about other academic students and other members of the university community, like staff and, and workers. I, I think that obviously I have my own private time with family. I mean, I'm a father of three kids. Uh, and uh, that is my uh, reput moment, you know, uh, engaging with my three little children. Mm-hmm. And the second one is I enjoy sports. I'm an avid Orlando Pirates fan. Um, since, 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 since I was uh, five years old. Yes. So, uh, obviously, I, I support also Arsenal, Arsenal in the in the in the in, in, in the Premier League division. So mm. I support two great teams in the world. <laughs> uh, I, I I I I I run. I mean, that's also another uh, uh, zone that I get in the morning when I get the chance, mm-hmm. and I don't travel uh, around my neighborhood. I do a five to ten kilometer run, you know, uh, mm-hmm. every other day. And uh, yeah, I, I I I enjoy cooking. By the way, oh, my Sunday roast with a shiraz is my highlight of of the week. Mm-hmm. So those are three things that I say are my indulgences and <laughs> also sources of uh, rebooting and you know clearing my computer, my mental computer yes. for the week ahead. Yes, so oh, good to know. Good to know. Thank you very much for your generosity this afternoon and um, really looking forward to this new chapter at Wits University under your leadership. All of the best. Thank you. And before I close, because yes. I might get into trouble here, Yeah. up until the same, I also supported Pitvers Vets. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you. right. <laughs> yes, we had to cover that base. <laughs> but we know what's happening with that particular um, club and it being that, what do you call it? Is it a license in the PSL being bought or anyway, a bid for it? Let's see what happens with bid first. <laughs> Thank you for that, Professor. Thank you. Oh, that was our conversation. What did you think? As, of course, he's going to influence the next couple of years at Wits University. And also listen back to a podcast that I'd done with him about quantum computing. Um, it was fascinating to get a sense of the power, the processing power that we're talking about. And he's one of the leading minds on the continent and, of course, soon to step into the leadership of an even greater responsibility of leadership at Wits University. And that was Professor Zeblon Villagas.